Well, hey, everybody. I want to give a shout out to our Fremont and our Hayward campus today. It's so good to see you. My name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and I've been excited about sharing uh, with you about Abigail today, this lady who lived about 3,000 years ago. Now, how many of you know the story of Abigail? Anybody know? A few of you here? A few of you at Fremont? A few of you at Hayward? A handful of you? Well, I have the privilege to share with you this story. But before we jump into her story, I need to give you a little context to help you understand why her supporting role is so important. Now, Abigail was a peacemaker. And today, it just seems like our world is in more conflict than ever between religious and ethnic and racial groups, between the haves and the have-nots. In, in our country, it just seems like uh, people are arguing about everything, different morals and values, different solutions, and it just, it just feels like we're pulling apart. These problems have always been around, but, but it just feels like they're getting worse and worse. People are so quick to condemn, to criticize, to judge, and then what do they do? They go on Twitter or Facebook or wherever they like to communicate, Instagram, and they just start ripping each other apart. They make black and white statements about very complicated issues. And people are so touchy these days. They're so contentious. There's so much anger. I, even as a, a follower of Christ to my fellow brothers and sisters, sometimes I'm careful about what I talk about because even in this room, we all have some pretty different opinions that are very strong. Sometimes I just don't want to get into it. I just avoid talking about some things. Now, believe me, I have plenty of opinions. Just ask my wife. I have a lot of opinions. But there's all these conflicts in the world around us, and we have to be careful. And Jesus entered into this world, into this conflict-filled world, and he proclaimed that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus said, peacemakers, man, they're blessed. They're, they're going to be God's children. They're going to be like God. Jesus came into this world ourselves to be a peacemaker, to save our souls, to restore our relationship to God. And he said that anyone who works for peace is blessed by God. Now, let me ask you, do you think we could use a few more peacemakers in the world today? I mean, I think it's what we desperately need. And that's what God is calling us to do as his children. He's calling us to be his peacemakers. Well, about a thousand years before Jesus came to earth, God was working out his plan that he'd had all along through his people, through the Jews. He was working out his plan to raise up David to be the king of Israel. And it was a crazy and divisive time, just like today. Very violent world. And so many people were competing and killing for power and for influence. And Saul, he was the king of Israel. But he continued to disobey God. And so finally God said, I'm going to raise up another king. And he sent the prophet Samuel to anoint David to be the next king. Now David was young. Uh, he was 13 years old, give or take. We're not sure exactly. But somewhere in his early to mid-teen years, he wasn't ready to be the king yet. But we can read his story, how God began to work in his life over the next 15 years to shape his character, to prepare him to be the leader who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Shortly after David was anointed, we read about he killed Goliath, and David became very, very popular. Saul became very jealous of David, and he brought him into the palace so he could keep an eye on him, and David would play the harp for him and music and soothe Paul, uh, Saul's soul. And then Saul said, well, how am I going to get rid of David? He's so popular. He put him in charge of some troops, 
and he sent him out on these impossible missions, these suicide missions. But instead of David getting killed, he, he was victorious, and he would come back. And, and they even wrote songs about him. They wrote songs. I mean, the top pop band song of 1005 B.C. with this hit song where they sang about Saul has killed his thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But David's killed his tens of thousands. Nah, nah, nah. And this didn't go over real good with Saul, so he was ticked. He tried to kill. He tried to kill David. And David had to flee. He had to, David hadn't done anything wrong, but he had to go hide in the wilderness. But David was such a strong leader. Do you know all the other people who were being mistreated or who had problems, who were behind on their bills or, or were discontented with the government? They all came to David, and he formed this army of 600 men. And then we read an amazing story. You know, Saul's out there, man. He's got spies. He's trying to kill David. He's got thousands of troops out in the field looking for David. Well, one day, David and some of his men are hiding in a cave, and Saul comes in to use the bathroom. And, and David's men are like, come on, David. This is your chance. Take him out. God is putting him in your hand. And David's like, you know what? I can't do that. I'm not going to uh, kill God's anointed. I'm not going to take up my hand against King Saul. God put him there. I'm going to wait until God opens the door. And he refused to do this kind of thing. Well, during this season, uh, David and his men, they were in this part of the wilderness where it was very good for uh, raising goats and sheep, all these shepherds. And that's where we find David and Abigail in this story. And that's where we're going to look at some insights about peacemakers. I, I hope you've got your outline out and that you're going to follow along and take some notes. See, we, we learned that there's a certain shepherd in this area where he has 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He's very, very wealthy. And you can imagine he has a lot of employees to manage all the livestock, right? All the things that would go along with that, all the shepherds and servants and people he would need. And he was very wealthy. And here's what the Bible tells us. He says, now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. So that word discerning, it, it, it has a very rich meaning. She was wise. She was very understanding. She was someone who could size up a situation and make good decisions. And so we learn that David and his men, they've been, they've been in this wilderness around Nabal and his shepherds and all his flocks. And unlike many of the other people that lived out in the wilderness, they never stole one sheep, they never stole one goat, they never harassed Nabal's uh, men. In fact, they did the opposite. Later, one of Nabal's guys said, hey, David and his men were like a wall around us. They were like this hedge of protection. They looked out for us. Well, once a year, you know, when it gets hot, time to shear the sheep. They got all, the, they got all that wool from the winter. That's a really big time. And so it's time to shear the sheep, get all that wool. This is when they made their money. And it was hard work, hot work. You can imagine cutting all that wool off and it's hot and sweaty. But it was also a time when, when the owner would throw a party. They would, they, would, uh, they would slaughter some of their sheep or their goats, and they would put them on the barbie, and they would just have a big party. And so David sent 10 of his men to, to Nabal, and they said, oh, you're so blessed, bless you. May God bless you. And, you know, uh, here you are at this time of year when you're celebrating. And we just like to ask, you know, we, we kind of helped you out, protected your, your, uh, your property. Would you be willing to throw us a little food our way? It's a little food so we can celebrate too. Well, it's a pretty reasonable request. And, and remember, they're in the Middle East where hospitality is very important. Well, Nabal, Nabal gave a very interesting reply. His reply was ungracious. It was selfish. 
It was lacking in tact or hospitality, and it was disrespectful. Other than that, it wasn't so bad, but that's his answer. Now, here's what it tells us in Proverbs. Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And that's Nabal in a nutshell. He is harsh in all his dealings, the Bible says. And that's the man that Abigail is married to, the environment that she lives in. Now, you might be thinking, if Abigail's so wise and she's so discerning, how in the world does she wind up married to this guy? Well, remember back in that day, it was very common often to have arranged marriages. And I guess her parents didn't arrange very well. Maybe they got a, maybe they got a nice payoff from Nabal because he wanted this beautiful, wise woman. And she was kind of stuck in this unhealthy relationship, in this unhealthy marriage. Now, she made the best of it. When you're stuck in a bad marriage, that doesn't mean you got the right to just leave or get out. She made the best of it. You have to continue to love and serve your spouse and try to rise above the situation that you're in. Now, that's the first feeling on your outline. Peacemakers, they rise above their circumstances. They rise above the things around them. She was married in a bad relationship, but she continued to make the best of it. Now, singles... I just want to encourage you, you know, it's better to be single and lonely than married to somebody who's a foolish, harsh person. It's better, you know, wait for that godly person, you know. Nobody's matching you up these days and most, for most of you. So make sure you find somebody who loves the Lord and they have a heart that honors and values wisdom and honors and values God. Or you're going to be stuck in a situation like Abigail. She had to rise above her situation. And most of us, we're, we, we may have some very healthy family situations, but we live in a world that's not very healthy. We live in an environment, it just seems like every day there's things that happen around us that, are, that make us angry, that make us frustrated, that don't seem fair. And we have to rise above it. Now here, I, here's, here's just the kind of thing that went on in Abigail's life. See, Nabal hears this request from David. He sends these 10 young men to make this request. Look what Nabal says. Who is this fellow David? He sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants. I mean, David's a pretty powerful leader who's famous, right? But he says, there are a lot of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? I mean, that was the answer he gave. And look there in his answer. You know, here's somebody who's just thinking only by himself. Look, you might even circle. He says, my, 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 my. Oh, my, Nabal, what a fool you are. <laughs> how, could he, how could he even claim not to know the hero who just a few years before defeated Goliath, who they were still singing songs about? Who, who had, his, David's men had done nothing but treat Nabal with kindness and care and protected him in his interests. Man, what a slap in the face. And so these 10 guys, they go back to David, they give him the news, and David, he doesn't rise above. He doesn't rise above. He, he hears this response, and he's like a typical guy. You know, when you insult a guy, man, a guy could be the most laid-back, easy-going guy, but man, when you prick his pride, whoo, you're in trouble. And David's insulted, he's disrespected, he's unappreciated. First thing he says is, okay, guys, let's saddle up. I want 400 of you, 400 of you. He leaves 200 with his stuff. He says, 400 of you are coming with me. Put your swords on. We're going 
we're heading down the road, man, just an immediate reaction. We're going to take care of this. Now, um, I, I was on a vac- little vacation a uh, week before this. I went down to San Diego and hung out with Pastor Greg and Paul, and we were visiting Greg at this place where he lived, a really nice community. They have a pool and a clubhouse, and they have signs up that say, if you're not with the owner, you can't be at the pool, or you can't be at the clubhouse. Well, we went to the pool. We're hanging out, and, and Greg had to run a few errands. He said, I'll be back in about a half an hour. And, well, Pastor Paul had to go find the restroom, so he goes into the clubhouse, and I'm sitting there reading, and all of a sudden, I mean, there's nobody else there enjoying the pool. There's nobody, there's nobody else enjoying I mean, we're the only ones out there. I hear this really harsh voice. Well, you don't belong here. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was, I'm going to hide. <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> so a little while later, Pastor Paul, I go, what happened? He said, well, this lady asked me who I was with, and I told her, he, and she said, oh, you don't belong here. He said, okay, ma'am, I was just looking for the bathroom, but I can hold it till he gets back. <laughs> Sorry. So a little while later, Greg comes back. He hears what happened. He's pretty upset. He goes and talks to the lady, and she came over and started apologizing, but she really didn't, she really didn't own up to how nasty she was. I heard her say some nasty stuff, but she didn't own up. To, she kind of downplayed it because she didn't want Greg to be upset. And you know, I, I, it's one of the things I love about Pastor Paul. He could have said, well, that's not what you said. You said, no, he just, he just soothed it over. He didn't, he rose above it. He, he was the better person. Do you know what I mean? And because he was a better person, they were able to, you know, make up and make nice. So it was really nice. I was proud. Of him. But David, man, David is like, whew, I'm ticked. We're going to take this into my own hands. And so here's something that we learned from David's life. And we'll see that Abigail handled much better. Number two is peacemakers slow down. They slow down. They stop and think. They don't make rash decisions. See, again, us guys, we don't want to be considered weak. We don't want to be taken advantage of. And, and, and not only that, but, man, Nabal disrespected David in front of 10 of his young men. And so us guys, sometimes we have a tendency to take a bad situation and turn it into a disaster. That's just a skill we have. We kind of escalate the conflict. So David reacts. They're rushing down the trail. And here's what David's saying to his men as he goes. A lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Wow. Now, This doesn't sound like David. This is a guy who just refused to take out the king who'd been mistreating him. He it didn't sound it doesn't sound like David, but he's not only going to take care of Nabal, he's going to wipe out every man in the household, all the servants, all the shepherds. And you know, you make this kind of statement, man, may God kill me if I don't do this in front of all your guys. It's kind of hard to back down once you make that kind of statement, right? And David made this oath. He said, God punish me if I don't do what I say. And so this slaughter might have derailed David's path to becoming the king. Killing innocent people, how's that going to look when people are looking for their next, you know, to, to honor and come around the king that God's raising up? But I think he was, he was just fed up. I think he was fed up. He'd had enough. He was tired of turning the other cheek. He was tired of hiding. He had all this anger inside, and it just came out. Could have been disastrous. He's kind of like the fly. You, you remember the story about the fly, right? The fly? 
He, he was out one day flying around. He sat down on the handle of this lawnmower, and he looked over, and these kids were going to school, and this little boy, he tripped on the sidewalk and spilled his lunch all over the sidewalk. He tried to pick it up. He was all scraped, and uh, the kids finally go, and the fly looks over, and there's a piece of bologna. There's a piece of bologna laying on the sidewalk. You remember that story? This piece of bologna laying there. His fly's looking at it. Go, man, that looks really good. He goes over, and man, he just gorges on that bologna. He eats so much, he can't fly back up off the ground. So he kind of waddles back over to the lawnmower, climbs back up on the, the handle. He's just sitting there on the sun, uh, on the, on, out in the sun on that handle. He's just having a good, man, I feel so good. But he keeps looking at There's still some bologna there. Man, if I, I think I'm going to go back and have me some more. And he tries to fly off that, the, the handle of that lawnmower, but he's so full, he can't, he can't stay airborne, and he just you know, splat, and he, all over, he's done for, dead. The moral of the story, don't fly off the handle when you're full of baloney, right? You got to be careful. Peacemakers, they, they slow down. They slow down before they react. They practice a little self-awareness. They know when they're not at their best. When they're hungry, when they're frustrated, when they've been mistreated and misunderstood, and they, they know they're not themselves, and so they don't react out of that bad place. They, they kind of slow down. They step back. They look at the big picture, and they pray. But if you're not careful, if you're not careful, when you get angry, you'll develop some bad habits. I love what Charles Swindoll said. He said, anger is a choice that easily becomes a habit, becomes a habit. And I want to encourage you to develop the habit of slowing down. Because that's what Abigail did. She was in a bad situation. She could have panicked. She could have thrown a fit, but she didn't. She kind of slowed down. She took stock of what was going on. And number three, peacemakers take initiative. They take initiative. So now we're going to see how wise Abigail is, what a godly person she is. Now, there's another person in the story. We don't even know his name, but he was, he was wise too. He had a great supporting role. This unnamed wise servant... He comes to Abigail right away after, after this uh, interaction between David and Na- uh, David's men and Nabal. He goes straight to Abigail, 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 and he tells her what happened. Man, he said, man, David's men came here. They were so, so polite, so honoring. When, when they were out in the field, they protected us. They asked their master for a little food, and man, he just, he just spit in their face. He knew that Abigail was somebody who would know what to do. He didn't go and try to talk sense to Nabal. Sometimes it's, you know somebody, sometimes you know that it's not going to work. It's going to be pointless to try to talk to them. But he knew that maybe Abigail could do something. Now, Abigail could have got really ticked when she heard this. That fool Nabal, what has he done now? Man, he's on his own. I'm going to go hide in the woods and uh, let David come take him out, and then I'm going to give me a new husband, right? I mean, that's what some of us might be thinking. Well, thank you, God, to take care of my problem. She could have gone in and smacked, what are you doing? You put us all at risk. We're... But she could have said, man, you're on your own. But she didn't. She said, you know what? I, I got to do something for all these innocent people who are going to die. And I got to do something to save David from himself. And you know what? When you step into it, this is different than an interpersonal conflict. This is when you see two people in your world and they're having a conflict and maybe God puts it on your heart. Hey, I need to step in and help these people. But you know what? That's kind of scary. I mean, first of all, she's a, she's a woman in this world. David's a mighty warrior. Her husband's, we already know her husband's kind of a jerk. 
She, she probably knows if she goes and talks to David, David might be ticked off and kill her. Nabal might find out and kill her. But she said, you know what? I'm going to put the needs of others ahead of myself, and I'm going to take initiative. I'm not going to sit back. And it requires courage. And look, you know, God, God's telling you and me, sometimes there's situations we need to go and try to be a peacemaker. Man, there's some people there, they're, they're headed down the path towards destruction, just like David. And God wants us to go warn them. Hey, you need to slow down. You need to think about what you're doing. You need to think about making things right with God. Slow down before you do something you're going to regret. Well, here, here's the beautiful thing about Abigail. It says, she wasted no time. She kind of summed up the situation. You might even underline that. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered. There's probably all this food that's been prepared for their, their big shearing party. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. Now you're really hungry, right? She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. She didn't tell him because he probably would say, oh, you're not taking my stuff and giving it to that fool. No, you don't. What are you doing? She knew it was pointless. So she took action, and she's an example that wisdom and action must go hand in hand. When you know what God is asking you to do, and he puts some situation on your heart, don't waste time. You don't wait until it's too late. Is there a situation at work or at home or in your neighborhood, at school, in the world around you where God is calling you to act? To step in as a peacemaker? Maybe you're afraid. You're afraid what people will think or what they might say, but is there someone you know? Maybe they're destroying their life with an addiction to drugs or alcohol or pornography or gambling. Is there someone you know who's headed to disaster if they don't turn to God? Is God calling you to act on someone's behalf before it's too late for them to apologize and make things right with God or with others? But sometimes when God calls us to be a peacemaker and we sit on the sideline a little too long, things go down the tubes. If Abigail waited too long, it would be too late. David would have gone in there to that camp with all, the, with all his men, wiped out all, all Nabal's men, committed this terrible sin. You know, I, I was talking to a couple this week, somebody that moved away, and this couple uh, reached out to me, and I called one of them up, and man, sounds like it's too late for them to apologize. They've done some terrible things to each other. Divorce papers been filed, burning bridges. Man, if I had just known. And sometimes God calls us to take action, to take a risk, to step out. And when we do that, we have to do it number four, like Abigail. Peacemakers respond humbly. They respond humbly. You know, when you hear there's a conflict, when you hear something's going on, when somebody comes and complains to you about another coworker or their spouse or a friend, what do you do? Do you tend to take sides and fan the flames and say, yeah, I think they're a jerk too. You're right. Go get them. I hope, I hope you teach them a lesson. Or do you try to calm things down, saying things like, you know, think about it from their perspective. Maybe they were just having a bad day. Maybe you don't know what they're going through right now. Or have you tried to talk to them? Would you like me to go with you to talk to them? See, Abigail could have run and hid, or she could have... <laughs> Wrote up to David and just said, oh, yeah, go ahead and take the sucker out. But she didn't. See, Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. A gossip makes things worse. Well, Abigail's off opposite. She takes action. She jumps on her donkey. She's racing. I kind of have this funny picture in my mind of somebody running fast on a donkey. I don't know if that just goes together. She's racing down the trail on her donkey. And when she gets to David, 
she doesn't waste this. She jumps right off her donkey. She goes and throws herself down on the ground at David's feet. That's about as humble as it gets. And she says, look, put all the blame on me. Look what the Bible says. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. Don't waste your time. Now, I want you to stop and look at the wisdom in what she did here. You know, if she just rode up and said, David, what do you think you're doing, you idiot? It's just my fool husband talking. Don't go kill everybody else. Well, he's probably not going to listen. But when somebody comes up and they start taking the blame, it kind of makes you cool off just a little bit. She, she sort of calmed him down. So, man, just, David, blame me. Put it all on me. Put it all on me. It wasn't her fault, but you know what? She's operating as a peacemaker. She's taking some responsibility to save others' lives. And after she humbly approaches David, she's like this intercessor, this mediator for everybody else. And then she says this, verse 26, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands. See, she knew God's word. God's word said, vengeance is, God says, vengeance is mine. Don't take it on yourself. She was a godly woman. She said, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. So she's kind of, again, soothing, soothing the man's ego a little bit, right? And here's a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I've offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles. Don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and revenge and vengeance. See, Abigail, she humbled herself, she threw herself down, and she pointed David back to God. She pointed David back to God's word. She pointed David back to the big picture. She was a very wise woman. And we see how calm, carefully calculated words can lead to a peaceful solution. Proverbs says this, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. See, I don't think, I don't think if she ran, in, ran up there to David and started yelling at him for this big mistake he was about to make, he would listen. But she was wise. She humbled herself. She showed this. She took this smart step. And so it diffused David enough for him to listen and begin to get himself back under control. So she humbled herself. She intervened. She took some blame on herself that wasn't her fault just to save other people's lives. And that leads us to number five. Peacemakers build bridges. Build bridges. I love some of the beautiful bridges we have around here and some of the ones around the world. And, you know, bridges are a beautiful image. You know, you build a bridge. Why do people build bridges? They want to they make it easier for people to connect, to get together, right? They, they bridge that gap. They help people be able to travel freely and talk to people on the other side. Well, God wants you and me to be bridge builders, to be an intermediary, somebody who acts as a link between people in order to try to bring about an agreement or reconciliation. He wants us to be peacemakers between God and other people. He's called us to be a royal priesthood. Now, Abigail didn't help David and Nabal become friends. I don't think that was really possible with a man like Nabal, but Abigail helped David reconnect with God. And look what David, he comes to his senses. He replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Man, this lady put her life on the line. She humbled herself, and she stopped a great slaughter. 
David stops and praises God, and he thanks her for what she did. And uh, she stood in that gap. She built this bridge. She restored that connection between David and God because David had lost it in his anger. Now, if you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that when Abigail eventually tells Nabal what she did, he's so in shock about how close he came to death. He has a stroke, and 10 days later he dies. And when David gets the news, he sends word, a proposal message to her, and she winds up marrying David. He knew she was was a wise person. But I want you to stop and think for a moment. Abigail is very Christ-like in her actions. See, you and I were separated from God because of our sins. We're just headed down that path, living our own life, taking things into our own hands, just like David. And Jesus took the initiative. He came down, and he took the blame for my sin and my failure. He built a bridge between me and God. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Can you underline that phrase? See, Jesus suffered to bring you to God. He suffered to be a bridge. He was a bridge builder. And I don't think this story about Abigail is in there by accident. You know, most of us aren't going to be Davids. We're not going to be world leaders. But every day, you and I are rubbing shoulders with people. We're influencing people. The way we live our lives, the people we talk to, the things we do, they matter. And if Abigail hadn't stopped David, maybe he would have never become king. Maybe he wouldn't have been considered a man after God's own heart. I mean, can you imagine slaughtering all these innocent people? And God has called you and me to be peacemakers. He's called us to do what we can to go to others and help them mend their relationships. He's called us to go to others and help help them connect with God. Some Some people out there in the world, they're really mad at God. Their life's a mess. They don't understand why God would let all this stuff happen to them and all this crazy stuff going on in the world. And they need somebody to love them. They need somebody to help them to slow down and listen. They need somebody to help paint them a picture of the bridge that Jesus built on the cross. God has called us to be bridge builders. That's why we exist as a church. Crossroads exists to lead seekers to love Christ, to bring seekers into a relationship with him. You know, sometimes... Sometimes I think you and me, we don't want to be peacemakers. It's messy. Got to take my time and energy to try to help some foolish person make things right with God. And Man, I'm busy and I'd rather spend time with my family and go to church and spend time with my brothers and sisters. And God's saying, well, time out. I'm sending you to this person. I don't care if it's messy. I've called you to be a peacemaker. Sometimes we know God's sending us to somebody, but we don't want to do it. We don't want to go because we're afraid of what they might say about us. So who are you? You're a bigger sinner than me. What are you doing coming and telling me about it? Well, you're right. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. But let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you how Jesus has changed me. But out of our fear, imagine if Abigail held back just because she was afraid. I'm telling you right now, I know you're not on this earth. You're not here in Fremont. You're not in this church by accident. God's calling you and me to be peacemakers, and we've got to get off our butts and do something. We've got to get out there and tell people, try to build bridges. Now, I'm not responsible for how they respond. I'm just responsible to go tell them, to do my part, to get out and try to love some people and lead some people and help them to see God. 
man, and just say, yeah, man, some of the things that happen in the world, they aren't fair. I don't know why God allows, but I do know this. God didn't, God didn't avoid all the unfairness in the world. Jesus came into this world, the righteous for the unrighteous, and he died for you and he died for me. And so will we answer the call to be bridge builders, to be like Abigail, people who take action, who humbly go and share God's love? Well, would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much that you didn't hold back, but you, t- you took a risk. You came down in this world. You suffered and died for me. You didn't know how I was going to respond, but you offered me forgiveness. And God, I pray that I would be like Abigail, that I would look at situations and, and I would pray and I'd be walking with you and I would know there's situations. You've called me to take a risk. You've called me to step out. You've called me to be a peacemaker and build bridges. And God, help us as a church. Help us not to get comfortable. Lord, help us not to say, well, those fools should know about Jesus. The Bible's out there. God, help us to be light and love and grace and truth to them. Lord, help us. God, this world needs you. It's just coming apart. God, help us to be peacemakers. Thank you for Abigail and her life and that we can still learn from her today. In Christ's name we pray, amen.